If you got your Bibles, we're going to be in Revelation. Revelation chapter 1. <clears throat> Papa was in Exodus this morning and Jeffrey was in Genesis. So they both at the beginning, so we're just going to preach from beginning to end. <clears throat> I've got three chapters, but I really don't feel like I've got that much. I know I've said that before, but I really don't feel like I've got that much. <clears throat> but I do have three chapters, so y'all pray. Uh, I just won't be obedient to the Lord. I'm a nervous wreck this morning. I'm more nervous today than I was last week. I don't know. I just want to do the Lord's will. <clears throat> if you ain't saved, get saved today. The Lord's coming back. It's appointed unto man wants to die. We're all going somewhere. Today, make sure today that you know today. I don't want to see nobody die and go to hell. As a 14-year-old boy just died last night. I don't know where he went. If he wasn't right with God, he didn't go to heaven. I pray to God he was, but that could be you today. That could be any of us this very day. Make sure you're right. Don't make sure you was right 10 years ago. Make sure you're right today. Amen. Make sure you're right today. <clears throat> Revelation chapter 1, you find your place, let's stay. Revelation chapter 1, we'll read a little bit here. Uh, Starting verse 12. <clears throat> Revelation chapter 1, verse 12. And I turned to see the voice that spake with me, being turned, I saw seven golden candlesticks, and in the midst of the seven candlesticks, one likened to the Son of Man, clothed with a garment down to the foot, and girt about the paps with a golden girdle. His head and his hairs were white like wool as a snow, and his eyes were as a flame of fire, and his feet likened to fine brass as if they burned in a furnace, and his voice as the sound of many waters. And he had in his right hand seven stars, and out of the mouth went a sharp two-edged sword, and his countenance was as the sun shineth in his strength. And when I saw him, I fell at his feet as dead, and he laid his right hand upon me, saying, Fear not, I am the first and the last." I am he that liveth and was dead, and behold, I am alive forevermore, amen, and have the keys of hell and of death. Write these things which thou hast seen, and the things which are, and the things which shall be hereafter. The mystery of the seven stars which thou sawest in my right hand, and the seven golden candlesticks. The seven stars are the angels of the churches, and the seven candlesticks which thou sawest are the seven churches. Let's pray. Father, we love you, God. Lord, I thank you, Lord, for allowing us to come and stand one more time, God. I pray, Lord, that you'd anoint us and help us, God, to bring the message, God, that you've sent. God, I pray, Lord, if there's one here that's lost, God, I pray that you'd speak to their heart, God. Lord, one that's backslid, God, not where they need to be. God, maybe missing the old. God, I pray that you'd touch them, God. Lord, show them if we need you, God, that we can't make it without you, God, that today's the day of salvation. Lord, I pray, God, that you touch in this place, God. God, I can't stand without you, Lord. Your will be done in Jesus' name. Amen. 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 I'm going to be going back and forth through the first three chapters. Um, I ain't going to read them all, so don't worry. But uh, there in the first verse of the first chapter, it says, The revelation of Jesus Christ, which God gave unto him to show unto his servants things which must shortly come to pass, and he sent and signified it by 
his angel unto his servant John. So the book of Revelation, I know that in modern day times, a lot of people look at the book of Revelation as being something fearful or something to scare somebody into getting saved or to scare somebody into getting right with God or something to make you worry. But the Bible tells me that he gave it to John to show unto his servants. So the book of Revelation is for the church. The book of Revelation is for the church to learn and to know and to see what's going to come to pass. It said, must come shortly to pass. So this book is not made to be something scary. It's not made to scare me or to make me fearful of what's going to happen. It's made so that I know what's going to happen. It's made so that I know what has happened, what is happening, and what's going to happen. And to know that I've got to live right. That's why this book is here, to show me, it says time and time again in these first three chapters, to him that overcometh. I've got something to overcome. I've got to stay in the way of the Lord. As we preached uh, Friday night at Elkhorn, I've got to have the oil. I've got to have the Holy Ghost. Just as Papa preached this morning, without with sin in our life, the Holy Ghost ain't there. I've got to keep my temple clean. And that's why this book was wrote. This book was wrote to tell us to stay right. To stay right at all times. Get right and stay right. Don't get out in the world. Don't mess with things of the world. Don't put the world before the Lord. Put the Lord first in everything that you do. This book is for us. This is the revelation of Jesus Christ. He's the one that saved me. He's the one that died for me. And this book is wrote for me. This book is wrote for the Christian. Uh, if you read there in verse 9, chapter 1, verse 9, it says, I, John, who... Also am your brother and companion in tribulation and in the kingdom and patience of Jesus Christ was in the isle that is called Patmos for the word of God and for the testimony of Jesus Christ. So John had been cast out, so to speak. He was, uh, he was banished to the Isle of Patmos. So he had been took out to the Isle of Patmos, basically in prison, for preaching the word of God. It said that he was there for the word of God and for the testimony of Jesus. So they had cast him out into this island because he was preaching Jesus. Because he had been telling them, not because he had done anything illegal or because he had done anything wrong, but because he was preaching Jesus. That's the only reason that they cast him out on this island. So he was banished out on this island of prisoners. That's where John was when the Lord came to him. So John was in trouble. John was in heartache. John was in a place that he did not want to be. But because he was there, the Lord spoke to him. And because he was in that place of hard times, because he was faithful to God, the Lord sent something to John that would help every one of us. Everybody knows about the book of Revelation. It's, the, it's probably the most important book of prophecy that's ever been written. It's not, it's not probably. It is. It's the most important book of prophecy that's ever been written because nothing in it has ever been wrong. And nothing in it will ever be wrong. So in our hard times, as John here was in hard times, he was in prison for doing right. He was in prison for doing the right thing, for doing what God had told him to do. And he didn't quit. Even though they had cast him out on this island and he was banished out on this island, he kept doing what he was supposed to do. And through that, he got a revelation from the Lord. An angel come to him and showed him some things. And it's here to help us now. So we've got to continue on doing what God wants us to do. Even when hard times come, even when troubles come, even when bad things in our families come, even if we get cast out onto a deserted island right by ourselves. we've got to keep doing what God wants us to do because it's going to make a difference in the lives of the future people. It's going to make a difference in
in the lives of our family and of the whole world and of the church. Jamie, if you quit today, you're going to ruin everything out in the future. There's no telling if Papa had quit 30 years ago where Mount Vernon Church would be today. It makes a difference that we continue on doing what God says to do. I've got to do the will of the Lord. Whether it's easy or not, I've got to do it. I've got to do it. I've got to stay right with God. And I've got to do what God's told me to do. Preaching has not been easy. I don't know what y'all think. Brett was sitting up there talking to me a minute ago. And I have no idea what Brett said. I was just a nervous wreck. He kept talking to me. And I was like, yeah. Yeah, because it's not been easy, but I'm going to do it for the glory of God because He called me to, because He told me to. And if God's told you to do something, do it. Do what God's told you to do because it's going to affect somebody else. It's going to change somebody's life. In one way or another, it's going to change somebody's life. If you don't do what you're supposed to do, somebody may go to hell because of it. I'd hate to think that was on my hands because I didn't listen to the Lord. If Papa hadn't have preached, I probably would have never been here. If Papa hadn't have pastored Mount Vernon Church when the Lord told him to, I probably would not be here. That's just a fact of the matter. I probably would not be here. And the majority of us probably wouldn't be in church. We wouldn't be saved. We wouldn't be trying to live right. Terry's told it time and time again that unless he had, if he had come to a lesser church that wasn't required to live right by the Bible, he wouldn't be here. And if it wasn't for Bill standing up for it, none of us would know that was the right way. I wouldn't understand or know that I had to live right to die right unless he stood up for it. All these years he stood up for it and now I know and now I've read it myself and I've prayed to God and I've asked God to show me what was right just like Papa did because I didn't want to be one that was against unconditional eternal security if it was not right. But I prayed to God and I've been seeking God and it's right. There's nowhere in this Bible that says I can't go to hell after I've been saved. It does not say that. It says you got to live right to die right. Him that endures unto the end, to him that overcometh. I've got to stay on track with God. If I'm going to go to heaven, I've got to stay on track. I can't back up. I can't quit. I can't lay it down nowhere. Thank God John didn't. Thank God John kept on so that I would know. We'll skip down to, well, let's just keep reading through there. Verse 10, chapter 1, verse 10. I was in the Spirit on the Lord's day and heard heard behind me a great voice as of a trumpet saying, I am Alpha and Omega, the first and the last, what thou seest, write in a book, and send it unto the seven churches which are in Asia, unto Ephesus, and unto Smyrna, and unto Pergamos, and unto Thyatira, and unto Sardis, and unto Philadelphia, and unto Laodicea. So he's writing his letters here. The, the next two chapters you'll see is, when, if you study your Bible, you know what these letters are and what they say. But he's writing these letters to seven churches. And these churches, I believe, were real churches. I believe that the church in Ephesus was a real church. But not only was these seven churches real churches, but they were seven churches that represent the seven church ages. I believe that they represent the church ages. And I believe that uh, the seven churches, if you read them and you study them, every one of these churches had problems. Every one of these churches had issues in their church. There was problems there. And he wasn't just writing this letter to those churches. He was writing it to the churches, but he was writing it for an example to us. Because I believe that all these problems, I don't believe, I know, I've seen it. But all the problems that these seven churches had, our churches in this day and age, have all of them. 
we have all those problems. We don't just have one. Most of these only had one major issue, but we have all of them. So these seven churches, these books that is wrote to them, is wrote to us. It's wrote to us for an example. But I got to thinking on that. There was seven churches, and the, the seven, the number seven is the number of completion in the Bible. So these churches and the problems that were there represent all the problems that was going to be from the beginning of the church to the end. He was showing us from the beginning to the end what all the problems was going to be in the church. So he showed us and gave us an example and told us what to do in these next two chapters when these problems arise. How to handle these problems and how to handle these things. And, and, and if y'all don't know, I've heard, I hear this all the time. I am not the church. I am the tabernacle of the Lord. The Holy Ghost lives in me. Lamont, you're not the church. But us combined... We're the church. Together, we are the church. The building's not the church. I am the church because we are. Together, we are the church. Liberty up here, up the road. Pine Ridge down the road. We are all part of the church. Mount Vernon's not the only church. This is the, we're in a building. This is where the Lord has told us to come and worship together. But we're not the only church. We are part of the church. And that's who the Lord's talking to here. He's talking to us as a whole. Talking to all of us as a whole. But I thought on them seven churches. And so if there's problems from the beginning, from the very start of the church, to the very end of the church, that means if you're looking for the perfect church, you ain't going to find it. If you're looking for a church that don't have problems, you ain't going to find it. According to the Word of God, if you're looking for a church that's not going to have issues, where nobody's ever going to hurt your feelings, or nobody's ever going to come against something that you've done, you're not going to find it. If you're going to be right with God, you're going to be unhappy sometimes. Sometimes somebody's going to come against what you think. Sometimes somebody's going to offend you unintentionally because we're human. But from the beginning to the end, there's going to be issues. But I'm going to serve the Lord anyway. I'm going to be like John. If y'all put me out on an island by myself, I'm bound and determined that I'm going to serve God anyway. Whether you want me to, whether you try to stop me or not, I'm going to try my best to serve God. And that's the way every one of us should be. If you're part of the church, if you're part of the body of Christ, it should be like a fire shot up in your bones. Just like Papa said, Jeremiah said, there should be a bond burning desire down on the inside of you to serve God. A burning desire to get to come to church. I didn't have to. I didn't have to come to church today. I wanted to. It was a desire down in there because I want to serve Him. Because He cleaned me up. Because He changed my life. I'm only saved by the blood of the Lamb. So I want to worship Him. I want to. I want to worship Him. Verse 12, And I turned to see the voice that spake with me, and being turned, I saw seven golden candlesticks. If you remember, we read there at the end of this thing that the mystery of the seven candlesticks were the seven churches. So the candlesticks represent the church. We've done said that these churches, these seven churches represent the church ages from the beginning to the end. So these seven candlesticks represent us. They represent us. And I see, read 12 again, I turned to the voice that spake with me, and being turned, I saw seven golden candlesticks. And in the midst of the seven candlesticks, one like unto the Son of Man, clothed with a garment down to the foot, and girt about the paps with a golden girdle. So here it is, Jesus. This is what this is telling us, that Jesus is amongst the church. 
Jesus is amongst the churches. We've already said that all the churches had problems, but yet Jesus is still amongst them. From the beginning to the end, from the time that in Acts when they first started making the church to the end of this thing, when the Lord comes back to get us, Jesus is going to be in the middle of the church. Jesus is going to be there. And if you've got a problem, He's there to fix it. And if something's not right in your life, Jesus is there for us. That's shouting ground. That's shouting ground that the Lord of Lords, the King of Kings, wants to be here with me and to solve any issue I've got. If there's something that's keeping me from going to heaven, Jesus is amongst the churches and He wants to fix it. He wants to get rid of the sin in our life, the mess in our life. He's here to solve our problems. He's here to solve our sin problem. I have a sin problem. I'm a human. You have a sin problem because you're a human. We all have a sin problem. But thank God the door is still open and there's time that we can get things right. Until the end of the ages, there's time. Until you leave this world, there's time. It's appointed unto man once to die, and after this, the judgment. Right now, the Lord is amongst us. The Lord is amongst His people. He's amongst His churches. And if there's something between you and God today, He's opened the door for you to get it right. He's opened the door. What? I, there, there's nothing greater that the Lord could have done than to be right here amongst His people from the beginning to the end. All the way through. He's right here amongst His people. <clears throat> Skip down to chapter number 2. These, uh, these seven churches, there was a few things I noticed about them. We're not going to read all their problems, but each church had, had issues. But each church, at the very beginning, well, we'll just read down to the first. It says, under the angel... Of the church of Ephesus, these things write, or these things saith he that holdeth the seven stars in his right hand, who walketh in the midst of the seven golden candlesticks. So this is Jesus saying unto the angel of the church, I know thy works. And if you read down through every one of these churches, that's exactly how they start out. This is how the letter to each of these churches start out. He says, I know thy works. I know thy works. I know what you're doing. I know what you're doing when nobody's around, when you think that nobody's going to find out what you're doing. Jesus knows because he's amongst his church and I'm part of that church. Whether I'm here congregated together or not, Jesus knows exactly what I've done. Jesus knows exactly what I'm doing. He knows our works. That should scare us. That should scare us because a whole lot of the time I'm not doing what I ought to be doing. A whole lot of the time I'm doing what I want to instead of what the Lord's told me to do. A whole lot of the times I'm doing things and I'm thinking in my mind nobody will ever find out. Nobody will ever know. Little boys, when you pick up them cell phones, you think, I can just delete the history and nobody will ever know. The Lord knows. The Lord knows your works. He told them down through the ages, down through all the church ages, that He knows your works. He knows our works. So He knows everything that we ever do. He knows them. He knows them. So that keep that in your mind. The Lord knows you. You may have it hid from the pastor. You may have it hid from me or your spouse or whoever, but the Lord knows. The Lord knows from the beginning to the end. He's going to know. He's going to know. But I got to looking into these seven churches and it, uh, the thing that stuck out to me that he knows their works. He knew them all. But then he gave them all instruction. So they all needed instruction. They all had some things that they needed to change and they had to go in a different direction than they was already going. And I believe that the Lord has some instruction for us. He has some instruction for us today. It's not just all love. 
God is love, and before God, I didn't know love. But it's not all love. Sometimes there's instruction, and sometimes I don't like instruction. I know Terry didn't want to stand up this morning and say, I messed up. I messed up, but he had to. That was instruction from God. God gave him instruction. He said, Terry, if you want to be right with me, you're going to have to stand up before them people and tell them, I messed up, I'm sorry. And we've all got to do that. Boy, I, I appreciate that. I appreciate that because I know some of the stuff that's happened, and if he hadn't have thought, said that, I might would have thought different. But thank God I don't because Jesus spoke to him, and Jesus gave him opportunity to stand up and say, I'm sorry. Hey, there's some things I've done in my life that's come against the church, and I'm sorry. And I'm sorry, I want to be right with God. These gives us some instructions from time to time. We can't always, once we get saved, we're not always just right there. It's not just get saved and that's it. After you get saved, then you get some instruction. Then you get a path that you have to follow. And if I don't follow the path that God sets before me, I'm living in sin. Because to, do, uh, to know to do good and to do it not, to Him it is sin. And if God has told you to follow a path and you're not going down it, you're out of the will of God. I want to be in the will of God because He knows my works. He knows who I am and I want to follow His instruction. I want to follow the direction He'd have us to go. <clears throat> the third thing I noticed about these churches was He gave them all a warning. He gave every one of these churches a warning. And if they didn't follow the instruction that He gave them, there was a warning given to them. There was a warning given to them. Let's read their... Uh, I noticed that the warning that was throughout these, there was the, the warning that was given to the first church and the last was a little bit different. was a little different than the rest of them. Let's read our, uh, chapter 2, verse 5. This is to the church in Ephesus. <clears throat> chapter 2, verse 5 says, Remember therefore from whence thou art fallen, and repent, and do the first works, or else I will come unto thee quickly and will remove thy candlestick out of his place except thou repent. So we've already said that the candlestick is the church. And I am part of the church. I'm not the church myself, but I'm part of it. And unless I come back to God and repent, he'll remove the candlestick. And then at the, uh, the let's read in chapter 3, verse 16. Chapter 3, verse 16. This is the church of Laodicea. He said, So then, because thou art lukewarm and neither cold nor hot, I will spew thee out of my mouth. He never went to that extreme in the other churches. He never went to the extreme in those other five churches that he was going to cast them out. That means to me, if, if he's going to spew you out of his mouth, that means that our life, what we was doing was so distasteful that he vomited us out. That he got rid of us. If he casts me out or he cuts me off or he comes into me quickly and removes the church, that means I'm no longer his. I might have been his and these churches was his, but if he removes the candlestick or he spews you out of his mouth, you're no longer his. That's serious ground. And I got to thinking on that. I thought, why? Why was it so much worse for this first church and this last church than it was the rest of them? What made the difference between these two? So I got to reading in it. And uh, let's see. Look, I'm, real quick, I'm going to read John 15, uh, 18, 19. Maybe. Ain't no hurry, y'all. <clears throat> yep, 
Yeah. <clears throat> John chapter 15, verse 18 19. If the Lord hate you, ye know that it hated me before it hated you. If ye were of the world, the world would love his own. But because ye are not of the world, I have chosen you out of the world. Therefore, the world hateth you. So the Bible tells us that we are not of the world. I got to looking in uh, the way that uh, he, he approached these churches, the way that he started the letters to these churches. And if you read at the beginning of chapter 2 there, verse 1 it says, And unto the angel of the church of Ephesus. And then if you look on in uh, verse 8, it says, And unto the angel of the church in Smyrna. There's a little different there. The church of Ephesus, the church in Smyrna. If you read down on verse number 12, it says, And to the, church, and to the angel of the church in uh, Pargamos. Verse number 18 says, And unto the church in Thyatira. Uh, verse, uh, chapter number 3, verse 1 says, And unto the, church, unto the angel of the church in Sardis. Verse number 7 says, And unto the angel of the church in Philadelphia. And then if you skip on down to verse number 14, this is the seventh church. He says, and unto the angel of the church of the Laodiceans. So this first church and this last church that he's gave this dire warning to that he's going to cut them off. If they don't repent and turn from what they're doing, he's given this dire warning that he's going to cut them off. And the beginning of the letter has started out different than it did to the other seven. So there's a difference from the beginning to the ends of these churches. And I got to looking into that. And the church of Ephesus, the reason that it was different is because I am not of the world. These churches was of Ephesus. They wasn't just in Ephesus. The reason that they was going to be cut off because of the things that they was doing if they didn't repent was because they was of the world. They wasn't just in the world. The rest of the churches had some problems. The rest of the churches had some issues. But they were only in the world. When the Lord saved me, I was no longer a part of the world. I'm just in the world. I'm not a part of the world anymore. My life is not living for the world. My life is not living for the things of this world. If I'm living my life for the things of this world, I'm of the world. My inheritance is eternal. Over yonder in glory, spending it forever with the Lord Jesus. Hey, I'm grafted in as a joint heir with Jesus Christ. I've got the same inheritance that Jesus does of eternal life. My world, hey, I'm not of the world. I'm just in it. I don't want to be a part of the world. I'm just in it. But if my life comes to the place where I'm more concerned with the things of the world, that I'm more concerned with my home and my job and my ball games and my everything than I am with the church, than I am with God, then I become part of the world. I'm no longer just in it, then I'm part of it. And if we're part of the world, as he's told these other two churches, he's going to cut us off. He's going to cut us off. I don't want to be part of it. I'm in it and I can't help that. As we read there in John, I'm in the world but I'm not of the world. And I don't want to be of the world. This ain't my home. And thank God this ain't my home. If this is all I had to look forward to, I'd be in bad shape. But I'm so glad that one day I get to leave here. I'm so glad that I get to come into church and get out of the world. I get to come in here and worship the Lord. I get to come in here and uplift the name of Jesus. Hey, I get to come in here and hear the preacher preach at Sunday school one more time. Hey, 
Thank God I'm not of the world. I'm in it and I can't do nothing until the Lord takes me home. I'm going to be in it, but I don't want to be part of it. I don't want to act like them. I don't want to do what they do. I want to be separate. I want to be set aside. I want to be something different so the Lord don't cut me off. So the Lord don't spew me out of His mouth. I want to be part of the Lord. I want to be part of the kingdom of God. That's what I'm a part of. I'm a part of the kingdom. I'm not a part of the world. I'm a part of the kingdom. Chapter 2, verse 1 there. Let's see what they've done. Under the angel of the church of Ephesus, write these things. Write, these things saith he that holdeth the seven stars in his right hand, who walketh in the midst of the seven golden candlesticks. I know thy works and thy labor and thy patience, and how thou canst not bear them, how thou, how thou hast tried them, which say they are apostles and are not, and hast found them liars, and hast borne and hast patience, and for my name's sake hast labored and hast not fainted. Nevertheless, I have somewhat against thee, because, nevertheless, I have somewhat against thee, because thou hast left thy first love. 1 John chapter 2, verse 15. You don't have to turn there if you don't want to. 1 John chapter 2, verse 15. Let's see. That ain't right. 1 John 4, 7 and 8. 1 John chapter 4, verses 7 and 8. It says, Beloved, let us love one another, for love is of God. And everyone that loveth is born of God and knoweth God. He that loveth not knoweth not God, for God is love. So before I got born again... Before I got saved, before I surrendered my life to the Lord, I didn't know what love was. I had never loved. If you've never been saved and you think you love your youngins, you don't know what love is. You don't really love them. If you've never been saved and you're married to a spouse and you think that you really love them, you don't know what love is. You don't. When I was a teenager and I was living the way I wanted to go, I thought that I loved a few little girls. I didn't love them. I didn't love him. I didn't know what love was because I wasn't in the will of God. I was out of God's will and I didn't know what love was. So the first love that you have is the Lord. The only way that you can know what love is or have love is the love of God. And here it said that the church in Ephesus had left their first love. If I fell out of love with Jesus, He's going to cut me off. If I fell out of love with Him, He said that He will remove the candlestick out of its place unless it repents. If you're part of the church and you fell out of love with God, if God's not number, your number one love, He's the only, you got to love God more than you love anything else because He's your first love. And the Bible said if you don't love Him, you don't know love. So if you didn't have love before, but now you've walked away from Him now, you don't have love now. You've got to be putting God first and the love of the things of God first or you don't have love. I want to love my daughter right. I want to love my wife right. But unless I love God first, I don't love them. I want to. The Bible tells me to love my wife just as Christ loved me. And that's a hard thing to do. That's a hard thing to do. She's mouthy. Y'all know her. She's, whew, sometimes it's tough. But I love her. But I want to love her like Christ loved me. And if I don't love God first, then I can't love her. And the Lord said He'd remove the candlestick out of its place. He'd remove the church. He'd take us away. We'll no longer be His. That would make my daughter not have a chance to get right with God. 
I don't want that to be my fault because I've chose to love the world because I've chose to be of the world before I love God and before I was a part of the kingdom. I've got to love God first or He'll cut us off. The church in Ephesus, I wrote this down. Ephesus means desirable. And the Bible said that they was the church of Ephesus. So apparently this church of Ephesus had started desiring Ephesus and the things of Ephesus before they desired God. That's what happened to them. That's how they ended up out of the will of God. That's how they ended up leaving their first love because they started loving the things that was there. I can't love the things that was there. I love my home. I'm glad that God gave me my home. But I can't focus more on my home than I do God. I can't focus more on my Can-Am and my coon dog than I do God. I've got to love God first. And if the Lord says quit, i got to quit. If the Lord says don't go coon nothing, study your Bible, i got to study my Bible. I've got to put Him first in everything I do every day of my life. I've got to love God first in order to be part of the kingdom. That's the only way I'm going. That's the only way I'm going to go to heaven is if I continue to put Him first. If I continue to overcome my flesh to Him that overcometh. Uh, verse 4 there in chapter 2 said, Nevertheless, I have somewhat against thee. That somewhat in my Bible is italicized. The reason that that somewhat is italicized is because when they translated this to the English, they had to put a word in there for it to make sense. If you read this in the Greek, it says, Nevertheless, I have against thee. Somewhat's not in there. But that somewhat means moderate extent. So because they had left their first love, the Bible, if that wasn't in there, would say, Nevertheless, I have against thee. So if we leave our first love, if we turn to loving the world more than we love God, God will be against us. I don't want God against me. He said He knows my works and that scares me. But knowing that God was against me, Scares me even more. He's the only reason I've got breath in my lungs today. Because I've got Him. Because He put it there. He breathed the breath of life into me. And if He's against me, that means He could end me today. That means I could lift my eyes in hell today. And once that time comes, that's it. It's over. There is no more chance. I want to be part of the kingdom. I don't want to be part of Ephesus. I don't want to be part of the world. I don't want to have God against me. I want to be for Him and Him for me and love Him in the way He intended for it to be. I don't want to desire the world more than I desire God. And you know your hearts today. I don't know nobody's heart but mine. And I know I get there sometimes. If I get to dwelling on things, when I was going to buy a Can-Am, I looked for weeks, scrolling on Facebook, scrolling on the Can-Am website, and I got infatuated with which side-by-side I wanted. And that's all I thought about. I didn't think about God. I would left the love of God behind. I would left loving the things of God behind. And all I thought about was buying me a new Can-Am. That's all I thought about. Or I'll get to looking on the uh, UKC or PKC classifieds, looking at coon dogs. And I'll just tell, oh, how good this dog is. And I'll get to thinking about that coon dog. And I'll just leave God behind. I just leave him back there in the back somewhere. And my mind gets infatuated with what I'm looking at. The things of the world. That's leaving my first love and putting something before Him. That's loving something else more than God. And He said if we love something else more than Him and we don't repent, He'll be against us. I don't want God against me. Put God first. He'll, he'll add all these other things to you. 
My life, I, I never dreamed I'd have the stuff I have today. And stuff don't make no difference in the world. But I never dreamed I'd have all this stuff. But the only time I get stuff is when I put Him first. Amen. If I go to seeking after stuff, I usually don't get it. But if I put Him first, then I get all these other things. All this other stuff. <clears throat> Let's look real quick in uh, chapter uh, 3. Chapter 3, verse 14. This is the church of Laodicea. And said unto the angel of the church of the Laodiceans. So this church of Laodicea was like the first church. The first one and the last one was just the same. They was of the world. They wasn't just in the world, but they was of the world. These things saith, amen, the faithful and true witness, the beginning of the creation of God. I know thy works, that thou art neither hot nor cold, I would thou wert cold or hot, so then because thou art lukewarm and neither cold nor hot, I will spew thee out of my mouth. Because thou sayest, I am rich, right here, listen, this is us, right here, verse 17, this is America. Because thou sayest, I am rich and increased with goods, and have need of nothing, and knowest not that thou art wretched and miserable and poor and blind and naked, I counsel thee to buy, of, uh, to buy of me gold tried in the fire, that thou mayest be rich and white raiment, and that thou mayest be clothed, and that the shame of thy nakedness do not appear, and anoint thine eyes with salve, that thou mayest see. And as many as I love, I rebuke and chasten. Be zealous, therefore, and repent." So the Lord is telling us here that because this church of the Laodicea, and I believe that's where we're at today. This is the last church age, so we're right at the end. And this is exactly where we're at today. Because we've got so much stuff, because we've been spoiled for all these years. I used to get so tired of hearing Papa talk about how they just ate pintos as all they had, and they had snow on their bed when they woke up. And I thought, what in the world's that got to do with anything? He's telling us that we're spoiled. He's telling us that now in this age we've got so spoiled that we forgot how dirty and nasty and wretched we are. I'm just a sinner. My flesh is not going to heaven with me. It's dirty. It's nasty. It's wretched. And I need God. I can't make it without God. We've got so spoiled by the stuff in the world that we've decided we don't need God. I still need God. I wouldn't have nothing in my life if it wasn't for God. I'd be dead and in hell today if it wasn't for God. I still need God. It don't matter how much stuff I've got, I still need God. And every one of us, if we're honest, have put stuff before God. We've put the things of our life before God. God's going to take care of us. Never seen the righteous forsaken or seed bagging bread. If we'll put Him first, He'll take care of us. If we'll put Him first, just like John did, He still took care of him. Well, I'd love to be in John's shoes today. He's in heaven. I ain't got no doubt. John's in heaven shouting the glory. No more flesh to deal with. Don't have to worry about nobody dying. Don't have to have faith no more because he can see Jesus. He can see Him with His eyes. He ain't got to fight off sin. He ain't got to fight off Satan. He ain't got to worry about stuff getting between Him and God. He's already there. That's where I want to be. And if I'm going to get there, I've got to remember, I've got to have God. I'm just dirty and wretched. I'm just a sinner. 
Without the Lord, I'm just a sinner. Without the Lord, I'm a drug addict. Shannon was talking about that he has an addictive personality. I do too. I do too. Anything I've ever done, I've went all in on it. Thank God when I get over there, I don't have to worry about it no more. I ain't got to worry about that addictive personality taking me down the wrong road. I'll just get to serve Him forever. I don't want to put nothing between God and me. I want to be right with God. you got to live right to die right. Y'all probably heard that till you could scream, but I'm going to tell you to the day I quit, to the day I die, you got to live right to die right. There is no quitting along the way. There is no putting things between God and still getting to go to heaven. That's a lie straight out of hell. If you want to go to hell, you can. You can. If you want to go to heaven, stick with the Lord and you go there. Thank God I'm saved. And thank God I got Him. Thank God the blood of Jesus cleaned me up. And I'm no longer the same. I've got the Lord on my side. I don't want Him against me. As the church in Ephesus was, I don't want Him against me. I don't want to leave my first love. I don't want to put things between me and God. The church in Laodicea, they left their first love too because they had so much stuff. They didn't care about Him. As in the same shape, if we'll keep God first, if we'll love God first before anything else in the world, we'll get to go to heaven. We'll get to go to heaven. They're the only ones that had this promise of destruction because they didn't put God first and they didn't love God first in everything they've done. If we'll love God first, I mean first, come to Sunday school, comes to Wednesday nights, this might kill it, but be faithful to the house of God. Be right. You gotta live right to die right. Stay right. Get right. If you're not right today, get right. It's time that we live for the Lord. The Lord may come today. You may die on the way home today. I ain't saying that to scare you. I'm sounding the warning. Just as the Lord did here. This is the writing of Jesus. This is in red letters. Jesus Christ told John to write this down. Sound the warning. End is coming. Jesus is coming back. And he's coming back after the church that loves him. He's coming back after those with the seal of the Holy Ghost. In order for you to know, in order for God to know who you are, you've got to have the stamp of the Holy Ghost on your life. And if you ain't got Him, if you're living in sin, you ain't got the Holy Ghost. If you've got unrepentant sin in your life, you ain't got the Holy Ghost. Repent today to Him that overcometh. That's what the Bible says. Verse 21, To him that overcometh will I grant to sit with me in my throne, even as I also overcame and am set down with my Father in his throne. He that hath an ear, let him hear what the Spirit saith unto the churches. To him that overcometh. And to him that have an ear, we all got an ear. So we all got to overcome. That's us today. If you ain't right with God today, repent. Tommy, you come play. You got a song to sing. Everybody stand. Amen. If you're not right with God today, the altar's open. Even if you are right with God, come make sure. Come make sure. Ask Him for strength to help you. But if you need to pray, come pray. Come pray. The Lord set up the church, and I believe He set up the altar so that we could get a hold of Him while He was around. He said, where two or three are gathered, he'd be in the midst. So God's here. And that's what the altar is for, is to get in touch with God. If nothing else, come pray that he helps you through the week so that you don't put something before him this week. If you've never been saved today, if you'll come up here and ask me, I'll help you pray. I'll show you in the Bible how that you can be saved. If you don't know for sure that you'd go to heaven, if the Lord came back today and you don't know for sure, be sure today. Today's the day to know for sure. You ain't got to wait. You ain't got to wonder about it. 
If you're wondering, if you've got doubts in your heart that you're saved, you may not be. If you've got doubts, come get assurance. Because I know for a fact that you can know for sure. I feel the Lord down on the inside of me. Just like Papa was talking about, that little space that He fills up, I feel Him in there. If I didn't feel Him in there, I probably wouldn't serve Him. I wasn't saved by feelings, but thank God I feel Him. Thank God I know He's there. And if you don't feel that today, if you don't know that your name's written in the Lamb's Book of Life, come get right with God today. Use the altar. Amen.